did I just see a ghost? Ah, ah, ah. You know the blue people with the uh, tails? Hey, good game, shooter. We transitioned from eh to ooh. Unreasonable Doubt, a podcast about West Virginia University basketball, starts now. Hello, everyone. How you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. I don't know if I'm going to sleep tonight. From the studio in Nitro, West Virginia, this is Unreasonable Down. It's a podcast about West Virginia University basketball, part of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Josh Witt, and this is Episode 9, Connecticut. That felt like a Big East game. Somebody else said that. I'm wired for sound. West Virginia, this game was close all game. West Virginia wins by three. They win their Big East Big 12 battle against UConn, 56-53. And I've got so many exciting things that I, that I want to talk about, but let's take the medicine first, right? The reaction on Twitter, and it's and it is Twitter, so we all understand that. Hey, this is a ranked team. I don't. <laughs> I think West Virginia, if they win this weekend, coupled with this win against the ranked team, Connecticut came in ranked top twenty. Then. They're going to get votes. They have not been getting votes in the AP. They didn't get any votes this week in the college poll, the college coaches poll. So they'll get votes. Not a top 25 team yet. Remember, UConn was missing two starters. One of them probably their best player. So if Shoe on the other foot, let's say Taz Sherman doesn't play this game. Or let's say Sean McNeil is out. Sean McNeil, arguably one of our top three players. That's a different, that's probably a different result tonight, right? So obviously the the result is affected by UConn, you know, not having two of their five starters. You can only start five, Clemson. We'll throw six out there every once in a while, but only five guys on the floor. All this is blanketed, and I'm sure UConn going back to Connecticut saying, we gave this team a really good game with three-fifths of our starters. WVU, near the bottom of Division One in free throw shooting. That's It's not good. I, a few episodes ago, said I wasn't concerned. Let's move that over based on this performance to the concerned area because it wasn't just the guys that don't shoot free throws well, missing free throws. The guys that are making typically 80 90%, they were missing free throws. Free throws were missed across the board here. So that's not good. Close games win or lose, you look at the free throw stats, and if you look just at the free throw set, and I told you it was a closed game, you would say that West Virginia lost this game. They won the game. Again, <laughs> in closed games, missing 15 free throws, you're not going to come out on the good side. 
most of the time. They did tonight. West Virginia missed a ton of bunnies, especially in the first half, where West Virginia was up at halftime. But they could have been up more because of all the shots that they missed close. A couple were like throw on yaggedy sacks for some of these, just comically. How could they miss that? Absolutely missed it. And sloppy turnovers. Now, credit to UConn. They played really good defense, especially in spurts in the second half. But it wasn't like bouncing off the knee. It was our guys were like the ball was slippery, but only to certain guys. There was a pass thrown to the back of somebody's head, which is never a good thing. That's never going to be. I've never once seen a guy throw a ball to the back of somebody's head and in a split second they turn around and catch it or like catch it behind their back and Gabe shot a three and when Gabe shoots a three outside of that one time against Gonzaga last season it's not a good thing and Huggins could not wait until the whistle blew or West Virginia got the ball back so they could make a substitution and absolutely pull Gabe out of the game for shooting a three. So West Virginia and Connecticut will look at the game tape of this game. It was a rock fight. And in a rock fight, some strange things happen. Also, some funky things happen. And both teams can look at the tape and say, wow, we did that? That's rough. Need to fix it. Need to get better at it. And I just gave you the list of things West Virginia is going to see on the film and like, oh, really? So all of what I just said is true. That's the medicine. We got the medicine out of the way. I'm going to say true things now that are very exciting. Because West Virginia won this game. West Virginia didn't control. They didn't get to say, all right, only play three of your starters. They don't have any control over that. They played the team in front of them. The team was very good, and West Virginia beat that team. This was, even with two starters missing, probably the best team West Virginia's faced. And it was just a close game throughout. One team could not get a big advantage. The the most a team had as far as a lead tonight was five. So very close game from start to finish. And Tash Sherman, it was amazing. Taz Sherman, 23 points, six rebounds, three assists. UConn changed how they defended Taz in the second half. They were trapping the screens. It didn't matter. Taz still got his 10 points in the second half. And points were at a premium. Neither team broke 30 scoring in the second half. Neither team for the game broke 60. So with points at a premium and the other team really focused on you because you and only one other guy were true threats scoring the ball, and you still get yours, you're, you're great at offense. And Taz Sherman is great at offense, and he did it against great competition. That's encouraging for the rest of the year because, again, the schedule is going to get much tougher. Taz has played in games against tough teams, and some of the shots he was making, especially in the first half, Tough shots, making it look easy. Aggressive Gabe Osaboyan was in the house tonight. Aggressive offensively. 
in a game where, again, just two guys scoring the ball, where's the other points going to come from? Gabe said, you know what? I'm going to contribute tonight. They gave him plenty of space, and he took advantage of the space, got the ball at the at the free throw line, and dribbled in, bullied his way to the basket. We've seen this in spots in a few of the previous games. Tonight, he got there multiple times. A couple of the baskets went in, except for that three-point shot. No turnovers. And candidate for play of the game, late. Taz misses a free throw. Gabe comes from the other side of the lane to get the offensive rebound, throw it back out so West Virginia could keep possession. That was a really important play. And, of course, hustle play, Gabe Osaboy is going to be a part of that. And six offensive rebounds for Gabe in a game where I'm worried about Connecticut just super strong on the boards, out-rebounding teams by double digits most of the time. And West Virginia held their own, and a big part of that was Gabe Osaboyan. Seven rebounds total, six offensive. Sean McNeil did not play in the Radford game, back in the starting lineup tonight, and started the game hot. 13 points in the first half. The other candidate for play of the game came from Jalen Bridges. Was this a great Jalen Bridges performance overall? Nobody would say it was, right? Not his best night. I actually, I'm taking notes like a nerd while I'm watching the game. There's a lull in the second half. West Virginia stops scoring. UConn pulls up to have a five-point lead, middle of the second half, not looking good. I write down on my notepad, and there's no magic to anything that I write down. I wrote, where's Bridges? All right? Then I wrote right beside that, because West Virginia, that didn't work. Not that I'm trying to make magic happen. But then I write all capital letters, need a bucket. And the possession, after I write down need a bucket, Malik Curry, not his best night, found Bridges in the right corner, and he and he makes the corner three. The lead cut from five to two. And I would argue that Gabe play super important. The Jalen Bridges three, really close in importance because West Virginia is down five not scoring, and it had a whiff of the Marquette game, right? Now, that Marquette game wasn't in Morgantown, so that probably helped being in the Coliseum. But if Bridges misses that shot, you have to agree with me that there was a chance this was going to go the way of the Marquette game, where that lead goes from five to 10, it was really close until it wasn't, right? Polly Polycap, season high 19 minutes. Did not get a dunk in this game, but he did get his mandatory one finish at the rim on a Taz pick and roll. He got a big block. I like the path here of Polly Polycap. Huggins is praising him any chance he can. And Polly Polycap earning more minutes, and I'm comfortable with him being in the lineup. He's he's proving himself. I'm interested to see where this goes from here. 
So enjoyed the poly minutes. Kedrian Johnson did not shoot. <laughs> he was one of two from the free throw line, but his his field goal box score zero for zero did not shoot and yet made a great impact on this game. His on ball defense, you know, when he's on UConn's best player, UConn's best player has a hard time getting past him. One time. UConn is like doing handoffs and and dribbling around the perimeter. And Kedrian's like like a magnet, fighting through screens, staying in front of the ball. I like his energy. Was not in foul trouble tonight. That's the Kedrian Johnson I like to see. And I'm saving the best for last. As far as the good stuff of this game, it's the big guy that doesn't play on the court. 900 plus wins. Coach Huggins, you got to give him credit tonight. About three minutes left. Polly Polycat makes one of two free throws. That's important that he makes the last free throw after he misses the first one because he gets subbed out. Diamond, Demond Kerrigan comes in. And guess where Demond Kerrigan's at on the court? He's in the backcourt. Guarding the out of bounds on the other side of the court. And obviously, I'm watching and saying, obviously, there's a mistake here. <laughs> what is Kerrigan doing up front here? Doesn't make any sense. What's the new guy doing? And he's right there in front of the bench for WVU. So it makes it even more egregious. I would think everybody's screaming at him, hey, man. We need you close to the rim instead of the opposite side of the court. You pan out to when UConn gets it past half court, and Kerrigan is at the top of our old friend, the 131 zone, which we haven't seen in quite a long time. And he's at the head of it, the 6'9 shot blocker. He's up top, which is fantastic and looked like he belonged there. But they did not get past Kerrigan up top. And is there a better candidate for somebody to be in the middle of the one three one zone than Gabe? I mean, it's it's tailor-made for that guy to be in the middle of the one three one. So he's in the middle. UConn obviously not prepared <laughs> for the one three one. Sean gets a deflection out of bounds. UConn brings it back in, runs the length of the shot clock, does not get the shot off. Shot clock violation. And Huggins gets right away from it. Back to -to man-to-man for the next possession. They get a stop there. Taz misses what could have been an all-time bring-the-house-down dunk shades of the deuce dunk versus Baylor a couple of seasons ago and again we're talking early December game and yet I think it could have been that kind of party if Taz makes that happen does not UConn calls timeout when they get it past half court great great opportunity for a buddy Bob Huggins to say you know what let's let's run that one three one back And they do, and we get another Sean McNeil deflection. 
UConn has to run the shot clock down again. This is where I have to say that Connecticut got four chances after the first missed shot, including a wide-open three and a bunny of their own. None of those shots go in. That's the fact. Taz runs it down, gets fouled, makes one of two, misses the second, Gabe offensive rebound. Sean fouled, makes two, four-point lead. That's the game, right? And so Bob Huggins, up one with three minutes left, gets two long, empty possessions from our old friend, the 1-3-1. Yes, they dodged several bullets on that second possession that they ran it. But let's be clear, Bob Huggins is not does not bet a thousand when he throws out the junk zone, right? Sometimes he throws it. It's like, why is he doing this now? And then the other team finds the open guy in the corner, makes a couple of shots, and instead of a one-point game, they're down five. That's happened. We've all seen that. And we and the blame goes towards Huggins for having bad timing on that. The timing was perfect tonight. The guys in there running it did it great. Taz at the back of the one three one. But just Gabe just absorbing everything in the middle. It was fantastic. So when it goes bad, it goes really bad. Tonight it went well. Huggy gets the credit. Great win tonight against a team that I did not have them pegged beating Connecticut. Yes, they were a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Las Vegas knew something because West Virginia won by three. Great win. Great win. Random thoughts coming up. Hey, football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. I know I do, but with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point scored. New customers bet just $1 on any team to score, and you can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So here's what you do. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet $1 on any team to score, and you win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Random thoughts for this episode of Unreasonable Doubt. I'm not sure how you absorbed Dan Hurley and the Yukon Huskies. I had an appreciation for what they're doing. Huggins coming into this game was saying that this Connecticut team reminded him of Bob Huggins' teams in the past, i.e. tough, athletes everywhere, really aggressive defensively. And I saw all that tonight. 
Totally makes sense. I understand where Huggins was coming from. But those are the comparisons. The differences were noticeable as well. Hurley, kind of old school Huggins, in with a blazer. No windbreaker for my man Dan Hurley. Another thing is different. Maybe Huggins did this in the past, but Dan Hurley, stay off the floor, man. Almost like a Clemson routine. Like the sixth guy was Dan Hurley on the floor a ton. That was kind of annoying. But here's the big difference in coaching styles. And there's no one right way to do it. Everybody's got their methods. Tony Bennett won a national championship doing it different than what Tom Izzo did a championship, right? Everybody's different. So there's not one right way to do it. But there are noticeable differences and the big difference I saw tonight was how the head coaches reacted to mistakes we all know what Bob Huggins does when one of his players makes a mistake on the court now in practice my understanding is that Bob Huggins puts him on a treadmill turns it up faster than the treadmill at the Hampton Inn will go and you get to do that for 30-45 seconds with the motivation of, hey, if you do it right, you don't have to do this terrible thing. So in the game, he doesn't, I don't think, I don't guess you can do a treadmill thing. It's probably not advantageous to do that in the middle of a game. But Huggins does the not really encouragement. (laughs) Sometimes there's not words that stare through the soul or just not even look at you. If He is talking to you. It's not like, hey, go get him next time. It's definitely, hey, what the heck are you doing? A version of what the heck did you just do, okay? And to not get that type of reaction, similar to the treadmill thing, just don't do the mistake. And then I won't do that. That's his his encouragement. His encouragement is indirect in that, do you want me to? lose my mind (laughs) verbally. I love you, but I'm going to lose my mind. If you don't want me to lose my mind, do what we do in practice, right? That's the Huggins method. Dan Hurley, here's what he did. This is what I noticed when one of his guys made a mistake. First of all, he immediately honestly reacted to the mistake in a exasperated hands on the head, like the face of, oh, no, right? So he reacted in truth, right? But he got that out of the way, right? And then this is the part that got me. He would look at the player, he'd clap, and he'd do the double fist, like aggressive, teeth-clenched, Yeah, you got this. I mean, he didn't say you got this, but it was definitely with the double fist pump, and I saw him do that multiple times. I'm rooting for WVU. I don't – I'm not going to see Connecticut. They're not in the conference. West Virginia probably is not going to play them again this season. And yet, every time I've seen Dan Hurley do that, it's almost like he was looking out of the TV screen at me. I felt he was 
encouraging me with the double fist pump and the clap and the and the encouragement stance. Let's call that the encouragement stance. And so as a player, if I make a mistake, my first reaction may not be to look over to the sideline because I don't want to see what's happening. But if a player looks over, what he gets from Dan Hurley is the double fist pump. It's like, okay, you know, stay, stay with it. Good job. Get him next time. I love that. And what he was telling me tonight through the screen is like, hey, Josh, I just saw you eat that fifth fudge-covered Oreo. That's a bit much, right? Then he made the exasperated face, and then he gave me the double fist pump. Like, you still got this. I guess what I'm saying is I'm going to try to do the Dan Hurley mistake method at my house. Oh, you dropped something in the floor. You know, immediate, like the honest, oh, my gosh, what? why did you do that? And then clap, double fist pump, and then I'll gauge their reaction, and then I'll let you all know how that goes. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Final thoughts coming up. Interact with the show. That just means interact with me on social media, on Twitter at I'm Josh Witt, on Instagram at Unreasonable Doubt WV, on the Facebook at Unreasonable Doubt WV, or just type it in the search bar. Interact! Final thoughts of this episode of Unreasonable Doubt. The next game for WVU. The last game of a five-game homestand. Sunday, 4 p.m. ESPN2. WVU versus a MAC opponent. Once again, the Kent State Golden Flashes. I say once again. They played Akron in the exhibition. Kent State, solid MAC team. Coach has been there a while. Kent State holds the honor of being number one in Division I basketball and free throw shooting percentage. So that's great. A real contrast of styles with them being number one and us and WVU being 340-something in the country. On the good side for WVU, Kent State is statistically worse than WVU in giving up offensive rebounds. So that's encouraging, especially West Virginia kind of holding their own tonight in the rebounding department. I think they were minus minus six. And Kent State's leading scorer, old friend of ours. And the only reason I know is because this name, in all of the names, this name stands out as a top-tier name. We met this guy in the exhibition game two seasons ago when West Virginia played Duquesne. The Sincere Carey reunion. Sincere Carey, now at Kent State. All-time great name. He's their leading scorer. I'll be there in person. So I'm excited to see West Virginia take on the Golden Flashes in the Coliseum. And I'll tell you about it on this podcast this weekend. That's it for this episode of Unreasonable Doubt. Listen on all the platforms or just pick one.
the cast box this time. Hit the follow button. If there's a follow button, hit it. That helps this podcast. Until next time, I'm Josh Witt. This has been Unreasonable Doubt. WVU for the 2021-2022 season. They're 8-1.